Dead to Us. I'm Chris. And I'm Jillian. This is the first episode on the JK Podcast Network where we will be discussing uh, one of our favorite shows, Dead to Me. We're going to be talking about season two. So if you haven't seen season one, go back and make sure you've watched the whole season. Today we will be talking about the first episode in season two. So there will be spoilers. So make sure you've seen the first episode. open up breakfast time and Jen and Judy are having breakfast and Henry uh, Jen's younger son comes in and he is so happy to see Judy whereas Charlie has more of a whatever attitude which is pretty typical for the boys and their outlook on things and very typical for them to be having breakfast although this was a pretty hectic breakfast Yes, they're pretty harried from the night before uh, with the altercation with Steve at the pool. And we don't know yet what has happened, but we know that it's been kind of crazy that fateful night where Steve shows up at Jen's house looking for Judy and ends up dead face down in the pool. And I love how this show immediately goes into the cheery music that they juxtapose with the very mm-hmm. grim circumstances. And this show has a great soundtrack, by the way. And they get so much humor out of it. I, I love it. Yes, there's all these details that are really great. So uh, in that next scene, uh, we see Jen and Judy in the car. And Jen is afraid that Judy is going to confess. And she even says, Judy, you get very confessy. And then Jen lies to her right off the bat and says that she killed Steve because he tried to strangle her. Yes. However, although Jillian did believe that she was lying, we didn't know yet that she was lying. She said that Steve had tried to strangle her, but we didn't know quite what had happened. So that was... That was in true. Yeah. True. And then the next scene, we see Jen at the pool, and there's blood stains all over the ground near the pool. And then you see a flashback of uh, Jen holding a gun on Steve. Yes. And at the same time as Jen is scrubbing the blood clean, um, Judy is scrubbing herself clean in the bathroom of her of her work. And we were talking about how interesting it is that they were trying to like scrub it clean and try to make this, this experience go away. Yeah. So that's a good uh, metaphor for, you know, trying to clean everything, clean slate, try to make it go away. And I have to say at the same time that we see that we hear Connie Francis singing, who's sorry now, which is just another example of the great music Mm. in the show yeah absolutely and uh the next scene is uh at the beach haven assisted living where judy works and we see judy with her supervisor terry i don't think we saw her last year anyway they're having a conversation and judy intimates that she you know, she really has nowhere to live and she'd like to see if she can move into Abe's old room. Remember Abe, he was such a great character. So sorry to see him go. He was a real friend to Judy 
and Carrie has uh, no has an attitude of no, you can't live in his room, and we're getting a new resident in there anyway. Don't you have anywhere to live? And Judy kind of hems and haws and said, "Well, I was going with my family, but but I'm not. But it's okay. I have a place to go." Yeah, she falls back on her typical. It's okay. It's okay. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, something else that we could definitely discuss more in the future that I think a lot of people, especially women, can relate to. Mm -hmm. And then do you want to talk about the next kind of weird scene of Judy in the supply room? Yeah, so then when Judy realizes she really doesn't have anywhere to live, even though she told her supervisor she does, she, you know, runs into the supply room and she starts... um, kind of breaking down and um, I think she, you know, she's partly angry and partly upset and she's just crying and crying. And um, it was kind of interesting. She grabs some food, like some pudding or something and she starts eating. And this thing is, you know, it's kind of odd to eat while you're crying unless it's supposed to be like, like maybe she's trying to like fill her mouth so it'll stop, you know, kind of trying to shut herself up. Well, that's interesting. And that pudding did not look too good to me. Did it look good? To no, me? not at all. <laughs> She's licking the top of it. Like, ugh. Yeah, yeah. There was something. Um, or maybe, just think about this, maybe she's trying to shove down her feelings by eating. A lot of people do. Mm-hmm, definitely. And then we go back to see Jen at the house and really cool shot using that um, fisheye lens of her trying to um, take the cameras out because those cameras are gonna possibly get her in a lot of trouble. Yes, definitely. And then of course, the um, very quirky uh, neighbor shows up in the backyard and wants to see if Jen wants to get together later on. Um, Yeah, Cam is such a great character. Yeah. She is so funny and such a know-it-all she seems to know all about gun laws and security cameras and pools and technical stuff and uh she really wants to befriend jen but i think you were telling me about some some of her quirky traits yeah i mean i just thought like she just seems so um so clean cut and uh she doesn't seem like the type that would know so much about guns and have a security system that's the same one that the Mossad has. I mean, who knows that kind of stuff? <laughs> that's true. And I love when Jen said to her, um, when she scared her and she said that you snuck up on me like a fucking Prius. I thought that was hilarious. Yes. As an owner of a Prius, um, yeah, it can happen. <laughs> Well, remember the first time we met Karen last year in the first episode uh, when she brought her, was that Mexican lasagna? Yes. Kind of like she just does kind of has just this out there stuff about her that's just so funny and stuff that you wouldn't imagine would come out of her mouth and it does. Yeah, yeah. She's definitely, she's, she seems socially awkward, doesn't seem like she has a lot of friends and I can't. I can't tell if, you know, when she interacts with Jen and Jen is pretty harsh, you know, if she's feeling like, like she just really wants a friend. So she's willing to put up with that or she doesn't even notice because maybe she just is clueless about that kind of thing. 
Hmm. I, I think she's willfully ignoring it because I think, yeah, she wants a friend and part of her thinks Jen is really cool and Jen is kind of really cool. Yeah. yeah. So, and I has never had a friend like Jen, so she is attracted to that. Yeah. And uh, do you remember what she brought with her? Oh, didn't she bring the orange wine? Yes. And Jen says, what the fuck is orange wine? And do you remember what she... Karen said to her it was so funny. She had read a blog or something on Reddit about menopause and that it was good for that. Hilarious. Yeah. I love that we're already diving into hormonal issues and menopause. I, love I totally that. relate to the red wine hot flashes. So I might be looking into that orange <laughs> wine myself. We might have to try the orange wine. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And I just love the throwaway lines that they give to uh, Jen in this scene and in a lot of scenes. Yeah. And um, and then Karen starts talking about the fact that she heard a man in Jen's yard last yeah. night. Um, and Jen says, oh, you know, it was probably my son. And Karen said, no, you know, I don't think it was your son. It was a grown man. And uh Jen said, well, uh, you got me. I, I, I was fucking a full grown man here last night. Something like that. That was just so yes, funny. Yes. And especially when um, Karen says um, that it sounded more like arguing. And Jen said, well, she said, well, you don't know how I fuck, which was just yeah. hilarious. And Karen's expression, I mean, she doesn't know what to make of her, but she is definitely still wanting to be her friend. She's attracted to this this crazy person. She thinks, and but she mm -hmm. likes her. Yeah. Well, she's Jen is definitely very strong, and and that's appealing. You know, there even though she's a little harsh in some ways, you know, the strength is admirable. That's true. And then Karen really starts scaring the crap out of her when she talks about how the. Their street cam has such great resolution that you could see everything at night. Yes. And that she also d never deletes it. You know, why would she delete it when she can save it to the cloud? Right. And at that point, Jen reconsiders the orange wine and says, fuck it. Why don't we have some orange wine right mm -hmm. now? Yeah. Hoping to gather more information, which she, she kind of does. She gets to see the night before as Steve's drives up in his car, gets out, comes to the house. And then as later you see Judy getting, leaving the house and getting in the car. So this is, this is not so good for them. No. And uh, I think Karen is uh, delighted, but shocked that, he, that uh, Jen wants to have this conversation and have the, the wine at 1130 <laughs> and, and tells her, come on, be cool, Karen. And then Karen, okay, <laughs> okay. Well, why not? <laughs> yeah. And uh, then we switch back to Judy back at the home and she's looking for something in Abe's room. And at that point, we need meet a new resident who comes to live in the room. Her name is Flo and she's wheeled in by her daughter, Michelle. And right off the bat, Flo does not like Judy, doesn't like her prowling around the room and Flo says uh, to her daughter, keep Judy away. From yeah. Her. And so it'll be interesting to see what comes of that. Of course, Flo wasn't super thrilled about being there at all and made some comment about her daughter, you know, locking her away or something like that. So 
But I don't know. Judy might be able to win her over. Uh, it's possible. Judy is able to win a lot of people over. She has a real, you know, charm and mm -hmm. empathy to her. Uh, besides, you know, the, the other insanity and like police <laughs> and all, she, she does. Well yeah, she's got a good heart, though. <laughs> she does, absolutely. And you know what, when you said that, now I'm thinking about in her paintings, oh. does she draw these, paint these girls with with the heart or no heart, I'm trying to remember. Yeah, the kids, it it's all picture of kids and they're missing um, the part with the heart. It shows that it's the shape of a heart that's been cut out. Wow. And But that kind of ties back into the fact that she had all the miscarriages before and you know, she has True. these children that she doesn't have that she wanted to have. That That's true. Um, and then we switch back to Jen and Karen and um, talking about that there are no privacy laws anymore. Karen's super happy about that. And, um, yeah, and as they're watching the, the video, um, we kind of jumped ahead a little bit. We we're talking about that. They were watching the video of the night before. Um, Jen's so absorbed in that that she doesn't notice that Karen is moving over to the pool that has the pool cover on it, which almost never has the pool cover on it. And she starts moving the pool cover back and Jen freaks out. Rightly so. And we don't know what we're going to see in the pool. Is it going to be a bloody pool? Did they get rid of the body? Did she drain the pool? We don't know what we're about to see. But Jen is definitely horrified. Look on her face when Karen starts taking that mm -hmm. pool cover back because she said it didn't sound like the pool was draining correctly, like there was something yes. in there. Yes, and so they found, she she found that the little bird that Judy had given Henry um, as a, I think it was a birthday gift, but it was, you know, representational of um, his dad because he was thinking this little bird, real bird that had come visited him was the spirit of his dad. So he had this little bird and Jen had picked it up the night before from the bedroom and had it with her. Right. Oh, I think that was when he was being yeah. baptized, maybe at that, that musical scene last year. And that's where Judy stuffed the check in the bird. And besides the bird representing his dad, it's just such a good symbol because, you know, bird is flying in freedom. Mm -hmm. So it, it makes sense. It all makes sense that, that it's the bird. So there's mm -hmm. the bird in the pool. Yeah. And I think Jen just says something like, oh, it's a toy. It, it yeah, and she quickly takes like it that. away. Michelle Flo's daughter, at um, who now lives in Abe's room, sees Judy at the, um, at the home and gives Judy what she was obviously looking for in Abe's old room, which is the cigar box. And in the cigar box, there's a really nice little portrait of him and his car keys and some weed. Mm hmm Yeah. And um, she, um, it seemed like maybe he left that to her. We'll have to see. The, it's a great old car that we find out later. And of course, as we know, she has nowhere to live. So she's kind of hanging out in that car. But we'll have to see what comes of that, if anything. 
Yeah, and then we switch to another car scene, which is uh, Jen letting her oldest son, Charlie, practice driving with her. He said he used to practice a couple of times with, um, with his dad, but he didn't want to tell her because uh, the dad thought that she'd be angry. Mm -hmm. so while they're driving, uh, they almost get into a car crash while Charlie's driving. And she, of course, starts cursing and cursing the guy <laughs> who left. And then um, she yells at her son, don't fucking curse at me, which is pretty funny. Yes. Yeah. And it shows, too, I mean, there's that anger of hers that has come out for one thing. And it's understandable because it's a car issue and she lost her husband in a car accident. So, you know, I think it just kind of is that that insight also into her personality where it just she can she can just lose it sometimes. Yep. I mean, remember last season when she'd sit in her car listening to uh, metal music and turn it up super loud and yeah, and scream it out. That's how she kind of worked through her emotions. Yep. And um, we go back uh, to a scene, uh, Judy, of Judy in Abe's old car. And again, it's just so cool that he left it to her, we think. Mm -hmm. And I just want to say again how much I miss Abe. Yeah. I wish, you know, I, I wish we could see him, but I know, you know, that he passed at the end of last season. Yeah, maybe if we're lucky, we'll have a flashback or something. Because remember, there was a little thing where he, Abe overheard Steve and Judy. And, you know, we were kind of debating last year whether or not Steve might have had something to do with it. He died pretty soon after that. That's true. And, you know, Abe knew, you know, how awful Steve was. Mm -hmm. So, you know, he was a good friend of her. And just as a side note, I want to say I've always loved Ed Asner and at 90 for him to still be working all the time is so cool. And um, my daughter, my mom and I actually met him at the airport and he was so gracious and took a picture with my mom. So he's just so cool. Yeah, very sweet. Yep. Mm -hmm. And um, let's see, then we, we switched to a scene of Jen at home having dinner with her boys, talking about how she wants the petition to put a stop sign there, something like she did last season also. And then Charlie tells her uh, that she's overreacting. Yes, which, you know, I thought her statement was awesome that, you know, it's basically this is her reaction. So it's not overreacting. It's not underreacting. It's her reaction. And why? You know, I, why people, especially men, tend to put a judgment on how women react when this is what they're thinking and feeling. Yes, you know, and if a man had reacted in that way, you know, they'd say he was had every right to react that way, but a woman is deemed, you know, hysterical. Mm -hmm, exactly. So, yeah. Um, and then Charlie mentions something about Judy and then says again oh so you guys broke up again I mean he's always uh giving his little little opinions his little asides yeah which of course they're coming out as a snarky teenager but he's he you know he's observant he he notices things so he's definitely a bright kid that's true that is true yeah. and then we switch back to Judy who is in her car in front of TKG Art the gallery where her paintings were that Steve owned 
and she's looking at her phone and she sees uh, a bunch of voicemails from Steve. Yeah, which and that I want to say she's been getting some calls from an unknown number and she has not been picking up the phone. Yeah, so there's that little mystery of who could that be? Um, but yeah, I think this, the calls from Steve go back to the end of season one where she just unexpectedly went into the bank and withdrew, I think, you know, it was something like over $100,000 uh, from yeah. the joint account. And that was the check that she ended up giving to, um, to Jen. But he, you know, I guess that, that unleashed a lot of other things that maybe she didn't realize or maybe she did because she had some other things going with him. Um, but I'm sure those were like really angry messages. And it looked like she hadn't listened to any of them, which I wouldn't either if I were her. Exactly. I, I wouldn't listen either. I'd probably keep them like she did just for evidence, but I wouldn't listen. Yeah. Yeah. You don't need that. Yeah. No, no one needs that. And then we switch back to Jen and she's in really comfy looking pajamas and she's in bed. Uh, on her laptop, she's watching the camera playback of the night of the altercation with Steve and you see her pointing a gun at him. But then we see her put the gun down. And just when we think we're going to see more, something else happens in the house. Yeah. Um, in the house? Well, Henry, her son, starts shrieking. Oh, oh, right, when she's watching the video. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we still were, it was, you know, a little cliffhanger because we didn't quite get to see everything. And so she runs into Henry's room. And, and yeah, he's afraid that he had a nightmare, that he's never going to see his mom again, and which is, real, which are, is really the same fear she has. <laughs> yes. Yeah. She's worried about, you know, being taken away and then the boys where the boys going to end up. And yeah. So it was, it was on point that maybe he was sensing her fear. Mm -hmm. And then she goes back downstairs to the kitchen to pour more wine. There's a lot of wine running through <laughs> this, this season for sure. Yeah. Except this one, this wine is not orange. <laughs> She's going for the classic. Yes, and, and she sees uh, Judy's bracelet. Judy left her bracelet in Jen's kitchen. Mm -hmm. And so then um, Jen ends up calling Judy, which is kind of a surprise. I was, as she was looking at that bracelet, I thought, huh, what she's going to do? You know, she had burned all of her stuff before. So I was wondering, and I was surprised she did call. Yeah, and she called Judy and told her, you know, your bracelet is here and Judy, so you can throw it out or whatever. And then she asked if it was an excuse just to talk to her. And I think it was. Yeah, it definitely could be. That's the funny thing about Judy, though, is she's a little absent-minded sometimes. Or, you know, it could be the whole idea that, you know, it's sort of this idea of sort of fate because who would have put these two people together? And if Judy hadn't accidentally killed Jen's husband, I mean, what the things that bring them together seem pretty uh, extreme and it's almost like they are just meant to be like sort of in a sisterhood in this life. Absolutely. So much synchronicity or the universe leading them together. Yeah. 
uh, yeah, definitely. And then right after that phone call, the next scene shows the two of them um, in bed watching uh, The Facts of Life, which is a, a throwback to last year, mm-hmm. a callback to last year when um, Jen said that she was like Joe and she started imitating Joe. And that was pretty funny. I think she said she used to talk like Joe and she grew up in Brooklyn also, which I can relate mm-hmm. to. So cool that they were in bed watching that and just you know hanging out trying to calm down and then Jen says such a great line like don't don't you wish that we that you had a Mrs. Garrett to tell you that everything is gonna be all all right and especially right now I wish we had someone like that to tell us all knowingly that everything would be okay Mm-hmm. And Judy makes an attempt, but it's just, you know, it's, it doesn't reach Miss, Mrs. Garrett level, unfortunately, but. No, and then I start thinking about Charlotte Ray, who played Mrs. Garrett, who passed a couple of years ago. And I was never a fan of the show, but I could definitely see being a fan of the Mrs. Garrett character. Mm-hmm. Yeah, of course, Mrs. Garrett never had to deal with the girls, like, killing somebody in <laughs> So I don't know what she would have come up with. I don't know what would be the worst thing she had to deal with. I I don't even remember. (laughs) Something, you know, like boys and, you know, arguing over, you know, somebody borrowing somebody else's clothes, you know, like typical teenage girl (laughs) stuff. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Anyway, yeah, like you said, Judy tries to, uh, calm her down and it really doesn't work and then they both wish that they could just be normally depressed and they could just have some deep deep uh dissatisfaction and how that would be preferable longing for uh, those days of normal angst and depression and not this insanity that they're going through that's true just you know last year's insanity this year's insanity we've only just started this yes And then Judy says that she can't imagine her life without Steve, even though she knows they weren't together anymore when he died. And Jen says she's sorry. And Judy tells her not to be sorry. He was attacking you and it was self-defense. And, you know, you had no choice. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of the tables are turned from the last season where it was an accident kind of thing, you know. I mean, in this one, it's self-defense, but it's like, you know, Jen saying, I'm sorry, and as, as opposed to Judy. So it's, it's interesting. And yet, you know, you know, we have these lies again, that they're this friendship, which is so deep in so many ways, still has these lies that are underlying. We'll see. That's true. And, and it is great, you know, poetic justice in a way that, you know, Jen killed Steve and Judy accidentally kill Jen's husband mm-hmm. and um, I do want to say though that I read somewhere that the showrunner Liz Feldman said that we ne- I was thinking about it that we never actually saw Jen's husband yeah that's right and uh, that was obviously on purpose because the the show is really about the friendship between the women and, you know, he was almost like an extra character. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, that's really interesting. Cause we did see a lot of Steve, which is 
um, the opposite. And Steve was, you know, not a great guy, you know, you know, surface level, he yeah. seemed like, you know, the, you know, such a catch, but like these underlying um, behaviors of, you know, sort of belittling Judy and holding her back were definitely recurrent. Belittling her, her saying last season all the time, it's okay, or I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. And her, him telling her what to do. I mean, he's the one who told her, shrieked at her to drive away from the accident, and she was afraid not to. Yeah. And I'm, that's how the whole relationship was. He was very controlling. Mm-hmm. And how she, you know, he kept kind of putting it out there that she's just this flaky kind of bohemian artist, and, you know, she's just kind of a mess. And, he's got it all together and it's a good thing he has her because, you know, otherwise she wouldn't have it, have anything basically. Yeah. I mean, that's a really big theme here. And I wonder if we'll see that more this year. I mean, it's, she probably for a time believed the stuff he was telling her because she heard it all the time. And on the surface, he seemed, like you said, he was so handsome. He was wealthy he seemed kind, but he wasn't, he wasn't at all. And, you know, people's outer, outer selves often have nothing to do with what's going on mm-hmm. inside. Yeah, definitely. And even, I mean, there were times when I thought, well, yeah, he does seem to care about her, which is almost more insidious, you know, because it, That's you know, you, you kind of go, well, yeah, you know, there is something there, but it just was not, it, it was, not a good relationship. They didn't bring out good things in each other. That That is very true. And then Jen goes back to thinking about what happened with Steve that night. And we finally see at that point, as she's thinking about it, what actually happened, at least partially mm-hmm. what happened. He started screaming at her. I'm not going anywhere until you tell me where the fuck Judy but- is. And that's Jen pulls the gun on him. Yes. And then, but then she, she puts the gun down and doesn't shoot. But then he starts pulling that stuff that he kind of did on Judy, where he starts uh, saying, he like pushing all the buttons about her ex-husband and about um, her and Judy's relationship. Yeah, and people like that, they thrive on knowing which buttons to push, and they do it really well. And he said, you know, Judy just felt, um, I mean, he, he told uh, Jen that Judy just felt sorry for you. You're the grieving widow who had a cheating husband, and he was miserable with you, wasn't he? And then she goes off on him. That was enough trigger. For yeah, her. and her she her anger unleashed. And this time it wasn't screaming metal music. It was it was beating him in the head with her, her son's toy bird, which you know I was thinking was so um, interesting because the bird almost represented well to her son it represented his dad, and his dad was you know killed by. Steve and Judy, even though it was an accident, you know, Steve's the one that left him by the side of the road. Maybe he was alive. He could have survived. So it was sort of poetic justice. That's true. Definitely. And um, 
then we switch back to morning, back to breakfast. But I, I do want to add that when Jen was thinking about that, she didn't tell Judy right then what happened. So that's like last year, like you said, the big secrets, the lies and the secrets as close as they are. And they're very authentic with each other. And I'd say they know each other on a deeper level for real than, than the men in their mm -hmm. lives knew them, except for the Abe, but she still doesn't tell her what happened. And then we're back at breakfast the next morning and our recurring breakfast theme. And we were thinking, we were talking about, you know, why breakfast? Is it a new day, a new start, even when it's a harried, anxiety-ridden breakfast, or maybe there's some comfort food in there? I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, it that? does almost, you know, it makes you think that it's kind of symbolic because, um, Normally, it's not that harried breakfast that they had at the very beginning, you know, of this episode. It's usually, yeah, I think it seems like a, a start to a new day, like things are going to be so much better, kind of like the whole scene where they're scrubbing everything clean, like, like, you know, you can, mm -hmm. you can kind of just wipe away the day before, but it doesn't quite work that way. That's true. Although breakfast is my favorite meal, my favorite food for sure. I can eat breakfast. For yeah. Dinner. Oh, I love yeah. breakfast. And I, I love that it's delicious and easy to cook at the same time. <laughs> then Jen tells Judy that she can stay until she finds a new place, but uh, we know she's just going to stay. I don't think she's leaving. And then um, there comes Charlie in the kitchen with another comment. Well, guess you guys can't stay away from each other, huh? And he, he is, yeah. Him. I mean, again, he's observant and he's noticing that. And it's kind of true. Um, they, you know, they are in a lot of ways, they balance each other out. But then, the, you know, they've also kind of needed each other in very strange ways, you know, with all of this trauma that's been going on so yeah they can't stay away that's true i mean he is flippant about it but he's right and they smile they smile at each other when he says at that time yeah. i know he's right and then there's a knock on the door you want to tell us what happened <laughs> oh that was great yeah they both walked to the door and you know, I tell you, season one was fabulous at leaving the little cliffhangers at the end of each episode where you say you're not going to binge it, which we didn't this time because we wanted to talk about each episode at a time. But it was really hard not to go to the next episode <laughs> because they go to the door and they open the door and there is Steve or or not. It's somebody who very much looks like Steve. But um, James. Yes. Yeah, and their faces are classic. I mean, can you imagine? It's like they're being haunted. Except, um, I mean, we'll have to see uh, what who this person is and everything. But I was looking at him and I thought, well, it doesn't look like Steve because there were a couple little details. Like he, you know, Steve was so put together and really sharp looking and the way he dressed and his hair and all of that. This guy looked a little looser. He had kind of messy hair and he had um he had just kind of like a you know like a a collared shirt on or something like that so so of course having yeah, well and sure. having experience with like some soap operas and things i thought well twin brother perhaps that would be the first go-to well he he i would say or uh 
it was uh, back in soap opera land. He could have gotten amnesia after being hit on the head. I mean, amnesia and twins are always good plot points. As long as it's not a dream, I'm good. But not only did he look different, he was at the door with a giant smile, good morning. So either he just did that to freak them out or else he is someone else, twin amnesia, we don't know. And he's genuinely saying good morning. Who is he? Why is he there? So that's definitely a mystery. And I know, you know, we know the whole season dropped on Friday on mm-hmm. Netflix, but we savor it and take our time and also have time to analyze each episode. So we're not. I mean, because really this. we're in quarantine. So it's not <laughs> like we uh, have to rush off and go shopping. This is true. This is very true. So, um, I want to thank everyone for joining us on our very first episode of our first podcast. And um, we're learning. We'll get more polished at it. But if you have any comments or things you would like us to discuss, you can email us at jkpodcastnetwork at gmail.com. Or you can leave us a voicemail at, and this is a tough one, at anchor.fm slash dead to us dash JK Podcast Network slash. So probably emailing us would be better. And I also want to say that you can listen to our podcast on Spotify, Anchor. Google, Breaker, and Radio Public, at least right now, and maybe more in the future, but we'll let you know. Yes, and Jillian was awesome about getting all of that on just within a week, and um, she's she's the tech person as well as one of the (laughs) comments. We're getting there. (laughs) Okay, but it's really fun, and it was fun talking with you. And uh, anyone is listening, and we love your feedback, and we're looking forward to watching episode two. So thanks for listening to Dead to Us. See you next time. Bye. Bye.